This is Tony Silva with episode 161 of Two Teachers Talking. However, uh, it's not two teachers this month, it's just me. Uh, after all this time, COVID has caught up and stricken our friend Charles and laid him low. So while he recovers, uh, we have a little surprise and accept uh, my apologies for the echo. Hi, this is uh, episode 161, and this is Tony Silva with two teachers talking, but I'm just one teacher talking. I'm one teacher talking with a former student of mine, a continuing student in the middle of a life adventure. Uh, this is uh, Rin Takahashi, a native of Osaka, Japan, and um, she was a student, she was a first year student in my last year of teaching uh, in Japan, and that was uh, the, <laughs> the infamous year of COVID, 2020 to 2021, um, and uh, I scurried off to Mexico, and suddenly, boom, <laughs> uh, Rin got into a, uh, started a, embarked on a trip around the world, and now she's like in her seventh month. She's visited a lot of countries. I'll let her talk about them because I can't remember all of them. Uh, but by and by, she finds herself here in Querétaro, Mexico, right in front of me, uh, which is kind of a miracle all by itself. So, uh, Ren, what's up? I mean, you how, how did how did this happen? How did you decide to do this? So, I was originally planning to go study abroad. But um, when I think about the purpose, you know, apparently studying abroad takes a lot of time and money and also energy. So I wanted to have the specific purpose or goal of studying abroad. But when I think about it, well, maybe it's not studying that I want. So and I thought about like doing internship. Blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, maybe I thought maybe traveling best suits my desire, so I just started. And we, we talked a little bit about that today, talking about overseas adventures and um, how the different experiences, whether it's study abroad or, in your case, just travel abroad, can be are both very educational experiences. So the fact that you're not in a classroom doesn't mean that it's not education, right? So, so seven months you've been, you've been traveling around. Where have you, how did it start? Where have you been? What's going on? So the first country was South Korea and Philippines, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, New Zealand. And I went to Hawaii. San Francisco, Las Vegas, and I went to France as well, Netherlands, Norway, England, Iceland, and New York, Chicago, Houston, and I went to several cities in Mexico, and I'm here. Yeah, so it's a, it's a long list, and it's kind of interesting how you made your choices, but I think one of the factors that kind of determined some of the choices were like some of your former classmates 
were there? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes my classmates, but also I call it serendipity. Mm. But, you know, I'm traveling and I have time. So sometimes friends just message me, hey, I'm traveling to where? So somewhere. And do you want to come with me? And I said, oh, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. And we start trip. Yeah, that's how I go, basically. Okay. So when you, when you look back before you were traveling, um, what do you think were the experiences or the things that you did, the things that you saw, the things that you learned? What were the things that you think made best prepared you for, for this adventure? Prepared me? Yeah. Maybe you mean back in Japan? Yeah, but before you started, it's like, oh, so before you got on the first plane, what was it that, when you look back, what was the most helpful? What, what was most useful for you before that, that made this easier or, or possible? Well, first thing I come, the, come up with one line is my parents. They're very supportive. Um, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to travel around the world to my parents, like, till the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I knew that they're always supportive. Okay. So you didn't tell them that you were going around the world. So you didn't ask them for the money. You did this all yourself. Well, I know it's a little bit of a rude question, but everyone's uh, like, how how is how how because everyone thinks about how much is that going to cost? Yeah, how does this happen? Yeah, so just as I said, I was planning to study abroad, so I got like a student loan that, uh-huh. I, and also I did the part time job since I was in high school, and in university I did. Eight part-time jobs at the same time. Say that again, so in case <laughs> some people didn't hear that. So I worked for eight places. Eight part-time jobs at one time. So you were working eight part-time jobs at one time. Just a little pause. People could absorb that. Eight, <laughs> eight. How often were you late or did you miss a clip because you've just forgotten? Never. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've never missed the class. Do you use any special tools to like keep your calendar straight? How did you do that? I don't know. That sounds like a miracle. Yeah, my mom also said, well, maybe you have 48 hours per day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's, that, yeah, you, you said that you know, to me before. I was like, what? <laughs> what? So, well, anyway. Well, what's got it? That's a that's a that's a tough one. Eight part-time jobs. So anyway, go ahead. So from where? Ah, from from where? So you you so your parents were supportive, but uh, what you just said that kind of stuck with me is like, how long did you wait to tell your parents that you were going around the world? How did that go? So, how when did you do it? How long did you wait? How did they react? I didn't really wait for the timing. I just like maybe I gotta say no, or maybe yeah, 
my parents asked me like you said you want to study abroad but how does it go and I'm like oh I'm not studying abroad I'm traveling around the world mm. and, I, and they said they said oh uh, okay wow I don't know how often that would happen <laughs> that, that doesn't sound normal it doesn't sound I mean it doesn't sound normal no. it sounds kind of unusual it's like wow great parents but and I think people are going to make some other assumptions but the other thing that you mentioned to me is that your parents are both fluent in English, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't speak English at all. They don't understand English at all. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. And the big people have a hard time under, <laughs> accepting or understanding that too. Because uh, a lot of, you know, times, especially at, um, at, at Hyundai, where we're together today. So as you know, from your, from your colleagues, your, your, your students, your fellow students, so many of them, their parents are doctors, yeah. teachers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their parents speak English and they've been helping their kids, you know, from what, you know, their babies speaking yeah. English and everything else, which is a really big advantage. Uh, but it's one advantage you didn't have. You didn't have parents that were preparing for it either, so you did it all yourself. So that's quite something to be proud of, I think. Thank you. <laughs> Trying. Yeah. And so uh, on the podcast, a couple of times we've talked about um, the importance of, of learning English or being able to speak English. Both, is it, is it important? Is it not important? Is it necessary? Is it not necessary? Um, and I guess maybe start off with, I mean, we've talked a lot about it and I think we just kind of understand that there's so many, like in that situation with world travel where you fall back on your English, um, that it's going to be really useful. Were there, so I'll kind of narrow the question down. Were there any times where it was critical? Dramatic. Saved your life? Has English saved your life, Rin? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say yes. Oh, really? Okay, tell us the stories. Yeah, um, because I can speak, like, maybe decent amount of English. I, I would say that you speak a decent amount of English. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so... Because I speak English and I can be friends with people like from other countries. And and also I think maybe also mentioned that you're also your second language learning language is Korean. Yeah. So you're also fluent in Korean. I know you don't want to say. I know you don't want to say fluent, but <laughs> but you can. You if I if you landed in Seoul tomorrow, you'd be able to get in a taxi, tell them where your hotel was, check in. Without using a word of Japanese or English. Maybe I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't done... You did that the first time, I'm sure. Didn't you do that when you... Because you, your, your your travel started in Korea, right? Yeah, yeah. But at that time, I didn't speak in, uh, Korean at all. You didn't study it at the university? I didn't. Oh, okay. And, all right. Yeah. But my roommate in Korea was Korean, mm. and she was very generous, and she listened to me speaking or trying to speak Korean every night uh -huh. after her hard work. So thanks to her, I could learn 
to speak Korean. Okay, good, good. So back to back to English oh, yes. and how it saved your life. Well, <laughs> I could contact with people around the world, around the world. So, um, so sometimes I can meet up in other country that I've never been and I have no idea what it is. So the people living there kind of help me out where to go. Sometimes they, um, like you, like, well, you can stay with me, stay at my place. I can tour you around. So that way, so in short, because I have, I can contact people in different country. I have someone to like rely on. Were there any cases where you felt that maybe um, there was some disadvantage to knowing English, where it worked against you, where it caused a problem, either your reactions from other people or anything else? Was there any negative side? Was there any downside of speaking, speaking English? English? Did it get you into trouble or, you know? Cause trouble with other people or anything? Well, I would say I rely too much on English mm. so that um, when I went to Southeast Asian countries, their first language is not English mm. and there, it, there are not many people speaking English. So I try to speak English, but maybe the word choice it's not appropriate. Uh -huh. I'm using difficult words where I'm speaking too fast that they don't understand. That was maybe the downside. Okay. Okay. Um, and it was, it was kind of interesting because you know, we were talking about that kind of, you know, different kind of communication, as we've been talking about different kind of communication problems. And then, um, Cambodia is a country that you did not go to. I didn't go. You haven't been to Cambodia. But, and I was there and I was, you know, I was kind of struck by how friendly and helpful the people were, um, and how hard they, uh, tried to understand and use English. But I was also surprised when I was there how many were also studying or trying to learn Japanese. Oh, in Cambodia. In Cambodia. And so, of course, they, you know, they looked at, you know, Allison and I and, of course, they try to use English, and you know, they ask questions, and it's like, oh, well, where are you from? Well, we, you know, we always joke, so where are you from? Well, I'm from Japan. And, of course, they get confused. <laughs> but once they realized that we spoke Japanese, then they wanted to practice Japanese. Wow. And they would ask us, well, how do you say this? How do you say this? How do you say this? How do you say that? And they were, because, you know, this was uh, eight years ago, um, but there were more and more... Japanese tourists visiting, and they were very anxious to learn more Japanese. And it was, it was, it was kind of um, unusual to me to be teaching, <laughs> and ironic me to be teaching Japanese to anybody. Hope that I didn't teach them the wrong thing, because <laughs> they're going to get in big trouble. Um, and uh, I don't think we used the, um, the expression today. Uh, but we were talking about it uh, when we were at the restaurant. It's a, it, it's a, I, I think, I haven't known the expression that long, so I think it's recent. 
um, something called microaggressions. Do you know that term? Yeah, I oh, learned from you. Oh, okay. So, so we did. So we did talk about it. So we were talking about. So our example today was our waiter, and that was kind of an unusual circumstance because most of the time here in Mexico, um, you don't encounter that at all. There's usually not any kind of negative treatment that you get because you're not Mexican or you don't speak Spanish. Um, our, our waiter at lunch today was an excellent example <laughs> of, of the opposite of that. But it was something that's maybe not so uh, uncommon in Japan. I was wondering if in your travels you've experienced, experienced much of that. Um, so... It's, it wasn't like aggression, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I felt that I was sometimes judged because of how I look, mm-hmm. like I'm Asian, and maybe for some European people or people speaking English, um, they think Asian don't speak English. Right. So sometimes I felt left out. Sometimes I felt ignored. Yeah, that was the similar to aggression. Okay. Well, that's, that's kind of the thing. So, so it's it's not where it's like you know, it's not necessarily an act of aggression. It's like a microaggression. It's just you know, ask every you know, I'm sitting here and I'm asking everybody else's opinion, and I don't ask you your opinion. Exactly. <laughs> right. So that type of thing, and. Um, so you didn't feel anything, uh, you didn't experience anything that in Korea. I'm just kind of curious because there's, you know, I, what I read, you know, in the news and things, uh, a lot of people, you know, hung up, you know, so think about historical facts with still some, you know, some people, some animosity, some bad feelings uh, between um, Korea and Japan. But your experience, there is no reflection of that. In fact, not at all. Cool. Before I started traveling, like, I mean, before I went to Korea, I was thinking maybe there's some, some people, some people that shows aggression when they know I'm Japanese, but I have no experience like that. Mm. That was kind of surprised to me. Good. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we, we were in Korea. Uh, I guess now it must be six or seven years, and I was I was just very very pleasantly surprised with the, the with the entire experience. Uh, the, the the place was much more modern, much nicer, much cleaner than I expected. Um, very impressed uh, by uh, people's English ability. Uh, impressed by their their kindness and um, willingness to to help. Um, how well things were organized. So yeah, it was. I was also very, very impressed with the the whole experience that I had in Korea. It was very, very nice. Um, it was, um, so the rest, and and you talked a little. You mentioned Europe a little bit, but any kind of you know, any stories about discrimination anywhere in your travels? So. In this trouble, I had one time. Huh. I was, I don't remember exactly. Ah, that was in Malaysia. So I was walking by myself on the street, uh-huh. daytime. Then 
but one big truck passed by and mm-hmm. I look up and then um so the person um on the driver's seat was what do you say having their middle finger, finger. <laughs> and you can say he gave you the finger oh okay <laughs> he gave me the finger there you go what yeah. were you doing I was just walking. <laughs> I did nothing. So I I wasn't really hard, but I, I was like, what's going on? What's wrong with me or you? Mm. Well, it's, uh, and, and the reason I just asked, because I, it was a very interesting experience that I had. And it, it wasn't, it was not the case of discrimination, but it's, uh, huge cultural difference, but for me it was within the United States. Mm. And every city um, within the United States and outside, every city's got its own, you know, obviously different cultures, but in all different aspects, driving culture driving is culture. really different, okay. which is, as we experience yes. <laughs> every day right now. But uh, there's also a big, and I've experienced like going to Boston. <laughs> um, and somebody from those cities going to Chicago would also be very surprised and not knowing what to expect. But this was kind of a, with you, a pedestrian driving situation. And this was Los Angeles. And uh, in terms of like traffic rules and pedestrian rules in Chicago, it's a lot like Mexico. It's like anything goes. Anything you goes. Can, you can cross the street anywhere, anytime. You're a, you're a pedestrian. It's your responsibility. It's like if, you, <laughs> if you think you can get across the street, well, fine. Uh, I feel like many of the countries are like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in Chicago, actually, it's changing a little bit. So, like now, if you're in a crosswalk, crosswalk uh, drivers are expected to stop. I seem to forget. I haven't hit anybody, <laughs> but they change. They change the rules when I'm not there. But uh, I was in Los Angeles, and uh, it was in the middle of a long block. And I looked, and there's a crosswalk way over there. A crosswalk way over there. So I was like, "No, I'm not going to walk to the corner to cross the street." I started crossing the street. A police car had just gone by. The police car made a U-turn, put his lights on, came back and started shouting at me. It's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, what I wanted, what I, what I wanted to say was, I'm just crossing the street. You're a Los Angeles police officer. Might be other things you want to be focusing on <laughs> instead oh. of me crossing the street. This is not a. But anyway. We're talking about like different kinds of cultures. So I asked it. So I don't know. Um, you know, in Malaysia, you're you're not supposed to walk here. Or you're supposed to walk on this side. You're not to walk on that side. Or you, maybe you have to walk backwards. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what what, what the specific cultures. And it, you know, you, you might it might be like like for me crossing, especially then it was a long time ago. It was forty years ago. It's like this is crazy. And you know, somehow we learn like whatever the Malaysian rule might be like. You and I were both sitting there like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep doing, you know, what I do. 
But uh, but those are the you know some of the interesting things that we encounter when we we uh, travel. Um, also, for for you looking back, like your preparation for uh, what you what you're doing. I guess I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of uh, cliche catchphrases for doing international travel, being, being a citizen of the world, being an international citizen. But for being able to function in different countries and, and different cultures, when you look back, uh, what do you think, on one hand, the, the educational, and of course because you're a student Japanese system, the, in the Japanese system, what could prepare student, uh, better prepare students for this kind of experience for life in other countries, uh, in the system in general. And also, since this is a you know, podcast for teachers, um, what advice would you have for teachers that would make things easier uh, or prepare students who want to uh, study abroad or travel abroad? What could How could they do a better job? Help them out. Tell them what to do. Tell them what they're well, doing wrong. Tell them what they're supposed to do. Question. This is your chance. <laughs> well, one thing I could say is um, prepare a student to communicate with someone who don't speak your language or English without using words mm. or maybe you can use words but you can like you should know how to communicate with someone appropriately without using words or one more thing I could say. Oh, say, say, say hundreds. <laughs> and there, and there's, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's many, many <laughs> points of improvement that are necessary. And, and it would be very useful for people to hear all of them. Well, so prepare students in a way that using English as a communication tool, like not just skill, independent skill. So here's a story, my story. Um, when I was in Korea, I realized, oh, maybe I'm at the stage that I'm not a learner of English anymore. I'm using English. And the words I use can affect how they look at me. And if I don't use the appropriate words or appropriate, maybe tone of voice or whatever you can use as an expression, it might hurt somebody. Before I started traveling, I just thought, oh, I should polish my English. I should improve my English. And I tried to talk very fast in English class or whatever, whatever the chance I got, I always spoke so fast and tried to use the words that I didn't know 
But I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you always talking quickly. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. To, I, I thought you were nervous. <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to speak faster and uh-huh. faster okay. as okay. possible. But I realized sometimes it's, it's not, um, talking quickly is not the appropriate expression of yourself. Yes, especially if you're talking to someone else whose native language is not English. (laughs) It's very counterproductive. (laughs) And many people are not, like, there are many people whose first language is not English. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's, well, and it's, it's, you know, English is not their first language they speak. English, just to some extent, you know, low level, middle level, high level, all different kinds. But yeah, for most people, I mean, uh, in, in the world, if they speak English, it's most of them not the not the first language. So it's always always kind of a emergency or stopgap measure where you fall back yeah. on English. And you've had a lot of experience with that too, I imagine, right? Talking with people like people from France, people from yeah, you know, wherever. Um, did you notice any differences? So, for example, you talk to people from France, you know, people from Norway, or in Southeast Asia, all in different places, and they're, they're, you're communicating English. Um, can you make some observations about how people in different countries use English and the characteristics and, and what made it easy in some places, what made it hard in other places. I imagine there's lots of funny stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> One thing I thought interesting was um, those from English-speaking countries or even European languages, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, they... So... How can I say? They try to express themselves. They try to express themselves. Uh-huh. So I felt that is the big difference from Japanese communication. So Japanese communication try to make the agreement and um so there's a typical flow of conversation like someone said something like happy then you should react this you should you're, agree with them and say something else happy yeah you're supposed to react this way you're supposed to know the script yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, recently, recently it's been very hot hasn't it Rin <laughs> yes yes it has <laughs> <laughs> you can't say no that was a mistake that I never I never stopped making Okay. So I get on the elevator, and like you and I, our temperature sensitivity is pretty close. Yeah. And so, you know, it'd be like maybe like you know, in, in in Celsius, maybe like you know, fifteen degrees. And I get on the and our neighbor would say, "Oh, it's cold, isn't it?" I'm on this level, Don't. I did it again. Yeah. I did it again. Yeah, you're supposed to agree. <laughs> you're supposed to agree. Always agree. Yeah, you follow the script. Yeah. On the contrary, um, English speakers and European language speakers try to, not trying to, but the basis of their communication is 
maybe or not argument, not conflict, but trying to like exchange their ideas. So when you say, "Oh, how did you find this one?" I felt like you were supposed to answer. Well, this part was alright, but this part was like it, it wasn't so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you know, in, in those kind kind of conversations, yeah, that's. I'm glad you're saying this because this is exactly what I wrote in my book. But <laughs> <laughs> about the, the different conversation patterns, right? And that's it in Japanese, and that's it for agreement. Whereas when you know, you're com- communicating in English. The two speakers generally are trying to find out what your real feeling is, what your really thought, real thoughts are. Whether you agree or disagree uh, doesn't matter unless you're talking religion or politics, <laughs> where you want to be always be really, really careful. But most of the time, there the, the agreement is not that important. What, what's important is for you to be honest and sincere and tell me what you really think. So in, in, in when you're communicating in Japanese, the degree of agreement that you have is, is, a, is a signal. It's a kind of meta or non. It's not actually. It's, it's verbal, but it's not really verbal. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a meta communication. It's, uh, yeah, you can say, "Oh, do you like you know like Nikes?" Oh, yeah, I like Nikes too. <laughs> That's like, oh, the, the person likes me. It's like if I say I like Nikes, it's like, well, they really don't fit my feet well because they're too narrow. <laughs> I, I like Adidas. It's like mm, she doesn't like. <laughs> Whereas a, like yeah. a, an English speaker would never make that connection. Oh. They would never just say, because, okay, it's like, you know, she's got white feet. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it doesn't have nothing to do with me. She's got white feet. Uh, okay, fine. No, no problem. Um, got nothing to do with me. Yeah. But uh, th- that is quite different. And, and same time, so whereas I would miss that, um, of course, if I'm speaking English and I, you know, disagree of course, the Japanese person would be offended if I, you know, made that kind of thing. Well, you know, I like classical friends. music. It's like, no, really? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I much be, I don't, some is okay, but I really like jazz. And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, they would feel bad. Um, yeah, I was watching one television, like television series mm-hmm. with English, some of English speakers, mm-hmm. and they seemed, Angry when they <laughs> watch that series, but they were watching every single day. I was like, "Why, why, why would you watch TV series that make you?" Angry? Oh, so it was the audience like, that I mean the people watching the show were getting angry. No, the, my friends. Yeah, your friends, but they were they were oh, watching yeah, TV. Yeah. yeah, not not exactly. the characters on no, the show, not, not, the, the people watching. Yeah, huh? why why would you watch something that makes you like you angry? Mm. But I realized. Did you ask them? No, I didn't. Oh. I, just, I just thought, oh, okay, that's how it goes. <laughs> you might have gotten an interesting answer. That's too bad you didn't ask. Um, I don't. I'm not watching that much television, but I can understand. I can understand completely um, what you're talking about because, yeah, it's like a for, for me, just surmising. Right? It's kind of a release, the emotional release, because you can't in real life. You can't express that anger. Directly, even in English, no. <laughs> especially if it's especially if it's your boss <laughs> or you know your next door neighbor that you really wish would move. Um, but if you watch TV and get your emotion out that way, uh, it, it it can be uh, very useful. But it's 
And as, as you know, it's not just the language, but all these other things that are connected with it, nonverbal, semi-verbal, um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a never-ending task, right? It's like an onion. You just keep peeling back, and there's always yeah. more and more and more to learn. Um, when we're talking about like verbal and nonverbal, and uh, we kind of started, we, we, I mean, not, not here, not tonight, but like um, when we were talking in the car or at lunch, your mom kind of has a special gift. Yes, has a special <laughs> gift. So what's your mom's special gift? So, as I mentioned earlier, she doesn't speak English at all. She doesn't understand English at all, but she can still communicate without using English or Japanese. How does she manage that? What does she? What does she... I have no idea. <laughs> so you did. You didn't inherit this gift. Well, not as much as she does. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, I still kind of, you know, very impressed that I mean, with, with your, neither of your parents speaking English, they've been so supportive and they've raised such a, an amazing child. <laughs> and, I mean, because, you know, the, what you're, you know, what you're, what you're doing is, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you, you know, I said you're working eight jobs, you save the money, <laughs> you're taking a year off from university study to travel around the world. And most adults don't have the guts <laughs> to do that. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't have the guts to do that. Not now or any time in my life. I and mean, people, people, my friends back at home, and they look at me and say, and they say, I, I won't use the expression that they use, but I'll teach you that after. Okay. <laughs> but they, they, they use it often. It's like, mm, you've got such, okay, thank you. <laughs> To you know, pick up when I first at the first time when I when I moved to Japan, uh, in first time in 1988, you know, going away parties and the other little things. I was like, hey, you you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, chapter five, I don't know if this chapter five or six for me, or whatever. When I you know, retired and then from Japan came here to Mexico, and you know, building a house, I said, like, dude. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> so it's like, it's like yeah. so, hey, you know, I've been in Japan for 30 years. <laughs> Can this be harder? It's like, yeah, in some ways it is a little, I mean, it might be a little bit harder in some ways. But what you're doing uh, is is pretty amazing. Um, and I, you're maybe a little bit past halfway with your church. You said, you're going where? South America? Yes. Africa? Yes. And then you don't know. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> My plan is no plan. Your plan is no plan, and, and that by itself, I mean, that really kind of summarizes <laughs> it all. But if you if you look back, uh, and I don't know how far back, I guess maybe we got to go back to at least junior high school, high school, and, and your university years, knowing what you you know know now. Maybe like at one point, you know, before you left and then since you began your travels until now, is there anything that you would have done differently to either make this adventure easier or something that you wouldn't have done <laughs> that maybe held you up or slowed you down or made things harder? What would you have changed or done differently? Well, 
Um, Be honest. Uh, <laughs> honest. Come on, don't hold back. There's nothing that I would change. Nothing. Nothing. Because if I changed one point, of course I have something that I regret, but I think that was meant to be. Huh? So I wouldn't change nothing. And I, I imagine that you don't want to share those regrets with us. No, no, I don't mean like that. <laughs> okay, so you're not going to tell us. All right, that's okay, that's fine. How about um, for, so I, I got, these, are, these are two different scenarios, but I don't want to have to have you answer the same question two times two different ways. Um, I have a friend uh, in Japan. He's an American. He, he's a teacher. Uh, he's married to a Japanese woman. They have a have a daughter, and she's also she's I think she's your age. She's in her third year at university uh, in Canada. Uh, her major, I think, is still education. For her, or think about your your kohai at Hyundai, okay. like a, like a first year student. English major. Um, like, so there's maybe these two two girls, you guys are having drinks or tea <laughs> <laughs> or mojitos <laughs> or margaritas or, or, or martinis or whatever you're having. Um, what advice would you give them? Now, pretend it made you after three mojitos. <laughs> what, what, what would you tell them? Advice. So black, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, follow your heart. Follow your heart. That's all. Okay. Oh no, come on, come on, guys. Specifics. Yeah. So but but that by itself I think is very important and it's it's simple and it's um may, maybe said more than it's actually meant. But I think it's it's important, um, and you know, and again in moderation, maybe not irrationally. Not everybody can be a rap star. Not everybody can not everybody can be a multimillionaire YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> it might, might be lots of fun. Got it. <laughs> but um, yeah, to follow your heart within reason, and that's and, but but it's also very important because there's no point in. Spending your life doing something that you don't like doing. Exactly. That's madness. <laughs> uh, so follow your heart. But it's like, come on, come on, sit by, tell, tell me what, <laughs> what, what, what might make it easier for them, you know, to do that. So say, I don't, I don't know my heart. I don't know what I want to do. How, do, what, how, how, <laughs> how can I, how can I be like you? Okay, um, it might sound more complex. That's fine, it's fine. We have an intelligent audience. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> well, um, you don't have to do things that seem meaningful. Okay. Even though your senpai or teacher said, well, you gotta do this because it's gonna be a big advantage in the future, but you don't know the future. And 
even though you keep doing what you like, but can be an advantage for your future. So you don't know what's going to happen. So you don't, you don't have to push yourself and stressed out or anything. Just、um, do what you feel like doing and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to, right, as you're, as you're explaining that, I'm trying to think back. It's becoming harder and harder to back when I was a university student. And if I were to use that as my guiding principles, what, where I might have been or where I ended. And I, and I have to agree with someone with the wisdom of it, because I, maybe I, I did that, even though it wasn't, I wasn't young anymore. I was, I, now I think it's young, but I was <laughs> maybe in my thirties where I kind of made kind of a break and decided it's like, Hey, I'm getting old. This is, I get one shot and I probably would be a good idea to start doing something that I want to do, that I would enjoy doing, that will be fun, that、uh, instead of something that's you know, just going the safe way and、uh, not, there's all kinds of ways to say it,、uh, not maximizing. What I have left in my life is like, or, <laughs> and, and other ways are maybe not so kind, <laughs> but anyway, it's like, you know, wasting my life,、uh, do, doing things that I'm not really interested in doing. So, you know, I think, I think that, that could be good advice. And I, my, my next time I was going to ask you, I was asking about the future, but I know that your plan is no plan. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no going there, going in there. Yeah. I actually have a b s t r a c t Fantastic. Well, let's hear it. So, I want to make the most of my 20s、mm. for learning languages. So, I will get a working holiday visa in different countries. And while working, I go to language school and learn at least three more languages. Okay. Huh. So, so, two more languages. So, so Korea, you can, Korea is one, Korean right? Korean is one. And what are the others? French and Spanish. French and Sp- Spanish. So, you're going to do、uh, Spanish, Spanish, or Mexican, Spanish, or South American? Oh, you don't know. You're going to, you're going to go South America to check it out. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and after that, or maybe during that time, I don't know, but I want to make the guest house web library. Oh. This is,、um, that's very interesting. And it's, it's, it's too bad Allison isn't here because that was one of her dreams for here. She, she wanted to do exactly that.、Okay. Like in, in here, in, in Mexico, in the area. Yeah, Allison,、okay. my wife. She wanted to do, she, but she really wanted to do, she wanted to expand a little bit and, and, and go beyond teaching and to do something like that, like a, a international, Airbnb、okay. type situation with a, like, associate, like a, as you just said, with a library and like lessons and having other people doing the lessons and things.、Um, that was kind of what she had in mind too.、Uh, and that could be, 
kind of fun and interesting. Yeah, and I although I said guest house, but I don't think I accommodate many people at once. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One person. Oh, one one person. I think she was. I think probably in her mind she was practically maybe like three rooms. Yeah. So three guests or three different guests or three families or something like that. Yeah, small scale, but um, like that. So, uh, and it was it was kind of interesting. So tomorrow, you and I, (laughs) we're going to be going to Bernal, which is a a nearby city, uh, and uh, it's kind of where she wanted to do this because it. It's a very, very popular um, tourist destination for, for, for Mexican nationals. People outside of Mexico don't know. They don't go there. No. You've never heard of it before. But it's, it, it, especially on the weekend. So we'll be there in the middle of the week. It'll be quiet. But that was kind of what she had in mind. And uh, it, it's, got, it's got a strong appeal because you've got, uh, you're always meeting people from different places. Um, you're providing them with like a, them with an interesting experience. They meet each other and they talk with you. Um, yeah, and it's, a, it's kind of a cool idea. Any thoughts about where that might be? You don't know. Well, but do you have narrowed it down? So ideas? the first one hmm. going to be Shiga in Japan. Huh. Near Lake Iwako. Hmm. Yes, and maybe... Yeah, after that, I I see how it goes, and I want to have a chain. More, yeah, ah. like a chain. And that would be nice because people who uh, have that kind of interest, they have a good experience in one, then go to have the same kind of experience in the other, and meet other people from different parts of the world, which kind of mi- mirrors uh, the kind of experiences that you're having now. Yeah. Like all the different places. So maybe looking back, it's like not, not, uh, nothing about English, but, um, in your travel so far and the people from all the different countries that you met, are there some special experiences that stand out? Special memories that you, that you can talk about? Well, I have have so many special memories. I met so many wonderful people, but one thing I want to um, pick up is that in Korea and the people I met in the share house was amazing. And um, those are people who, to be honest, um, gave me the meaning to live. To me. Excellent. So, so the people who were there at the share house, they were from different countries. Different countries. S- such as. Such as um, Japanese, Korean, um, American, um, French, uh, Dutch, Norwegian, um, British, Swiss. Yeah. I, I think that's it. Uh-huh. I, sorry if I forget somebody. It's okay. They're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> they won't know. And, but, and so and after the fact, like this, this uh, share house kind of closed, right? Yeah. And then these people scattered. Yes. And now you're 
visiting them yes. all over the world, yes. which is kind of like helps you with your pl- making a plan for your no plan. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And Korea was the first, was the very beginning of, yeah. of your trip, right? Well, that worked out perfectly. Yeah. For you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the share house, but, but it worked out well for you. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, maybe one of the biggest reasons I wanted to travel around the world was I wanted to escape from the environment I was in. And at that time, um, I always wanted to like, like I wanted to escape and I want to run away. And every night, like, I was like, oh, I want to end my life tomorrow where I don't want tomorrow to come. Just like that. And um, in my travel, I don't care where I am. Like, I don't, I don't care what happened. I do whatever I do, I do want before I end my life. <laughs> it was kind of serious to me. But in Korea, um, I met my um, housemates and I felt, I found out that um, I can have full of happiness from the bottom of my heart just by just being by someone I really love. So I don't I did looking back I didn't have to stress out that much. But I can just stop what I was doing and just stay by someone I really love. That could be enough. So what was the biggest change? If that's uh, Great that you've had that. I also have been very lucky I've had. I don't know if, if my experiences were as strong as, as the one that you had, but I've had a couple of milestone events that changed the course of my life, that really changed my worldview and my view of life and view of myself, I mean, my identity, like who I am, yeah. why I'm here. And in, in what I should be doing instead of what I see myself doing is that why yeah. am I in this situation? I've got to move on and do something else. And it was one of those things that, that led me to, to move to Japan. Okay. Um, so, because yeah, that doesn't just happen by itself. Something, <laughs> something mm-hmm. major has to change for you to pick up and, and move on. So I mean, how, how wonderful and how nice that was that it happened that you, you decided First, you decided. But see, I give yourself some credit that you, before this event, before like your experience in Korea, you already made the decision to go. Yes. So you, that was just, you know, so the, the, the Korea experience was great and it was wonderful fuel, but you already had lit the spark. You were the, you you started you started the fire by yourself, and then you got to Korea, and then somebody poured some gasoline on it, and then you went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that was the, that was that was great. But but when you look back, remember that before you got to Korea, you uh, were able to to make that first step on your own. Mm-hmm. And so don't don't forget that part. Give yourself give yourself credit. Thank oh, you. fantastic! Oh, that's great because because this is something that we we hadn't talked about. So, 
Um, we're we're kind of running low on time. But um, what else? What else do you want to share with folks? Now, these are most these are mostly boring English teachers. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> But you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, here we are. So help us out. Um, so in, we we've all got you know we're teaching students. Who, um, some of us are, are teaching English majors. Some of us are teaching students who are not English majors and would rather do anything else other than learn English. <laughs> and you know who they are. <laughs> they know they're there. But they're, I guarantee you, they're not listening. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, you, you, you're embarking on this one of experience. You're one of the top universities in Japan. You're one of the top students there. Would you tell me yesterday, well, school's never been hard. It's always been easy. I just, I just do the homework and I get my A's and B's. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Rub it in. But I, I, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I taught at that university for 15 years and I'm, I'm used to having, Students in the class who are way smarter than I am and say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but advice for the other teachers, anything you can tell them to help them out, <laughs> make it easier for them to maybe connect with the students. Like, like um, I, I didn't, I didn't have that problem for a long time because I was kind of at, at um, you know, better schools, better universities. But a lot of teachers have a really hard time just getting their, um, students to engage and something from, I know maybe for you, like now school seems such a distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what school was like? Yes. <laughs> maybe you, I kind of forget. You, you can, you can, <laughs> it, it's a, we call it selective memory. There's a lot of things we choose to forget. <laughs> <laughs> so I choose to forget And, and it sounds like, sounds like you had a lot to forget, chose to forget, right? You, you're talking about the environment that you wanted to escape, yeah. right? So there's probably a lot of that. But is anything that you can, you know, any short, you know, any kind of advice you can give to them? <laughs> I'll make it harder for you. Yeah. I can make it harder for you. Oh. All right. So... And this is a little bit different because our classes were all, we were 100% online. Yeah. It's for the audience. Like when Rin came to visit me here in Kareitsuro a few days ago, this is the first time we met face to face. That was so pretty weird, weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> it was, the word. Weird. It was weird. It was weird. It's like, I don't know what to, I don't know how to act here. Like, Do I know this person? Do I not know this person? Because we, you know, we saw each other a lot. And after the class ended, we uh, talked, you know, a few times, uh, more than a few times online, uh, and, and uh, talked a bit, uh, but we never met each other. No. But so, okay, so you don't have any advice for them? Well, how about advice for me? If I'm going to go back to the classroom again, what should I do? I told you I was going to make it harder. <laughs> what could I, what, what could I, what should I have done differently to make the classes more interesting? Maybe your, your situation was kind of ex- exceptional because it was, just the time, the COVID. Yeah, it was the first year of COVID. Yeah. yeah. And and I was the first year student, so I didn't know anyone in the classroom. So what you could have done was make students talk 
So more, a little bit more, just non-academic, social like stuff at the beginning, social, yeah. Social. And I, I think that that's really good advice, and I think that it's really good for um, the uh, specifically for that situation where it was online, where it was, it was so difficult for everybody. But I think I think you can take that advice and apply it to ordinary classrooms. Uh, and to tell teachers that it's okay to, to devote one class or, or two or parts of more, um, not an academic thing. And I would say specifically for Japanese students, because as, as you mentioned earlier to, uh, the importance of teaching people English as a communication tool, um, Rather than a skill, and in we've talked a lot about this though, uh, but Japanese society, Japanese communication patterns, uh, the way people speak with each other, that social aspect is extremely important. And you know, in in the Japanese language, it's a certain pattern. In English, it's obviously going to be different. The pattern's going to be different. Nevertheless. If the speakers um, are from the Japanese culture, they're going to need those connections, those bridges to get to the second step. But it's like, what is it? You can't just sit there and scream at them, speak English. (laughs) Um, And I think for a lot of the teachers, uh, those connections and those bridges are not obvious at all, they're, they're, for, and for they're invisible because it's you know native speakers of English, not yet. Though they don't have those, they don't use those, and even if you're aware of them, you probably discount their importance and their necessities. Um, and I don't remember, frankly, in, in our class what was happening because there was so much happening. Uh, and I don't, and I do used to in, in, in the beginning of my classes have different kinds of exercises activities which were just you know from from an academic perspective they were just play yeah they're just there's play activities but they allowed the students to get to know each other to you know it was, it was baby English anybody could do it and no one like no one felt incapable and they could kind of do that on autopilot and in the meantime get their social connections and things and then you mix up the groups and things like that so I've done that uh, and I guess I maybe could have done it more and you know and that, and, and that would be the maybe the, the, the takeaway the advice to teachers is they you know, don't underestimate the importance of the native cultures communication patterns when you are trying to impose a foreign language on top of that and expect people to communicate, you've got to make some kind of bridge 
from the communication patterns in the native language to the communication patterns in the learned language. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Well, I I don't think, I'm not sure if I'm answering or providing a good answer, but one thing, um, I think it was good that I did to learn English was to be creative. Like, I learned to form sentence, but not just following the original example sentence. I tried to create one more and exchange with my classmates. Oh, and, excellent. Oh, that's what you made. Oh, that's what I made. And when we were not sure if it's correct, I asked teacher if it's correct or not. And it was fun and also kind of socializing mm-hmm. with each other because to be creative and to express it is to show yourself. Kind of. So it was fun and it was very effective. You, but um, and, and I agree, and I, and I used, to, used to do that a lot with a lot of the classes. But do you think that might be scary for some students? Intimidating. Well, Back I, with don't, them? I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. no, you don't know my students. Because <laughs> you know we talk before about how you know timid, shy, and reserved, and things. Like, uh, I think for a lot of students that can be very liberating, freeing and things. Uh, but I think like for some students it might be an extra burden. Why are you asking me that? I just want to, I, I, I just want to give the right answer. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to, I, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't want to, I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I think. I don't want to think about what I think. I don't want to feel what I think, what I feel. Um, but I agree with you. Um, if you have uh, the students doing something that's connected with um, what's inside uh, and make it meaningful, um, not not in terms of important in the world or important in English, but important to themselves, um, expressing their own thought, or as you said, expressing themselves, uh, can be really, really helpful. And? And? And from where? I don't know. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about advice for the teachers, but maybe the teachers are going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you hungry yet? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet? Oh, so then, okay. Then I got, I got about 10 more questions here that we can go through. 10 more questions? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, I think we kind of wound it up. Unless you got some kind of last last minute thing. So you're you're from here. You're going to another another Mexico City, Guanajuato, uh, which is not not that far away, uh, and then somewhere in South America, somewhere, and then probably somewhere in Africa, <laughs> yes. and maybe Australia, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> and then we don't know. Yeah, it's really too far ahead. 
So that's kind of so very impressive. Uh, thank you very much uh, for taking the time for this. Uh, people are going to find this uh, very uh, helpful and very inspirational. Okay. So this has been one teacher talking to one student, former student, AWOL student. Do AWOL? A-W-O-L. Away without leave. That's when a soldier runs away from the army. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. That's you. (laughs) You're AWOL. So, okay. So one teacher and an AWOL student (laughs) from Querétaro, Mexico. and this was 161. You know where to uh, reach us. Two teachers talking. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll, we'll talk to you next month.